On The Chiefs, we're consistently joined by business leaders across the globe who know that times of uncertainty are as much about opportunities as they are about challenges. So while the last few months of shuttered news agents and lockdown transport hubs gave many in print media cause for concern, one industry veteran saw it as a chance to start something new. Joining me on today's edition of The Chiefs from his country home in Piemonte is renowned Swiss-Italian publisher and industrialist, Mr. Carlo De Benedetti, who, on September 15th, will launch Domani, a newspaper with distinct digital and print editions. Having spent decades publishing renowned titles such as La Repubblica and L'Espresso, Mr. De Benedetti's new venture will run a little bit differently. To ensure its commitment to objective reporting, after two years, the paper's ownership will be transferred to a foundation. And traditional advertising will also take a back seat as Domani hopes to join the New York Times with a revenue model based on smart digital subscriptions instead. So, as a wave of consolidation hits the industry, how will Mr. De Benedetti ensure his new publication is built to last? And how important is Europe to Domani and to Italy in such politically polarized times? I'm Tyler Brule, and this is The Chiefs on Monocle 24. Mr. De Benedetti, I'm not going to start with the obvious question. I'm just going to say I think it's absolutely brilliant that you are bringing out a newspaper in Italy, in Europe at this time. I'm interested about the starting point, though, because uh, there's no question that this is a moment and a time for a newspaper. But what was the trigger for you to say, I need to bring out a paper, I need to re-enter the media scene again? The panorama of the Italian media has changed very substantially in the last few months. And now most of the Italian media are owned by companies or people who have not their main interest in media. They are mostly in other business and they own the newspaper mostly to protect themselves from being criticized. And this is a distortion of the market. And uh, on top of the fact that today the media market is very poor in most of the Western world because of the collapse in advertising and in circulation as well, this anomaly has to be corrected in my mind. And the only way to correct it is to found a new newspaper, which is owned by me. After the first two years, which are really the startup years of the new publication, The ownership of the newspaper, which is called Domani, will be transferred to a foundation, which is absolutely exception in the Italian market where there is no newspaper owned by a foundation. It's quite a rare case in Europe as well, because apart from The Guardian and the Frankfurter Allgemeine, I don't know any other newspaper being owned by a foundation. Now, a foundation per se is not a guarantee of independence of the newspaper, but it is a precondition in my mind. There is no alternative interest. There is no economic interest. We are not linked to any party. We are totally independent. So it's up to us to do a good newspaper, but there are the conditions to be a success. Mr. De Benedetti, when people hear foundation and media trusts like The Guardian is, oftentimes people then think, okay, you're talking about a not-for-profit outfit. You're talking about something which doesn't really need to sustain itself in the traditional terms of being a media company. 
I would assume that is not the case. There can't be a bottomless pit in this foundation. Clearly, the newspaper needs to be able to also sustain itself and not just rely on donors with deep pockets. No, I fully agree with you. The success of a newspaper is always linked to its substantial independence. What I mean by substantial independence is that newspaper has to be profitable by itself, not having to be subsidized by anybody, including the foundation. The foundation is not, again, the solution for the success. It's just a way by which you can tell and openly tell to your readers that you are not linked to any other interest. If the newspaper is going to be a success, is for sure has to be a profitable business, which is possible in my mind. If we look across the world, we've certainly seen this wave of consolidation, and that's on all continents, arguable whether that has worked or not. I think many would say this idea of trying to find efficiencies, whether you're in Australia or whether you're in Denmark, across a variety of different titles, shared newsrooms, one printing plant for everything, etc., etc. Of course, we've seen this moment. This has been going on for some time. We're now in a period where we've seen some very big high-profile names, some of the wealthiest families in the world, of course, moving back into the world of print, wanting to own their newspaper of record, their favorite magazine. Of course, sometimes, as you said at the very beginning, to protect their interests, it's great to have the shield of, of a media brand. Do you think, though, this is probably the way the world is going to go? If we, and I want to come back and talk about, of course, business models in the moment, but is this the direction? It's almost going to be a two-channel world, maybe more foundation-like approaches or models for media companies, or the other direction is just going to be back to a new generation of media titans where, yes, their interest might have been in technology, but of course they have now moved into, and they, they like a bit of maybe not ink, but they certainly like the notion of a bit of ink on their fingers still. I'm unable to have a clear answer or a unique answer to your question. I think we are going to be both. Let's say take the Washington Post case in which the owner of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, have bought into, and surely it has done it with the Washington Post and not with, uh, let's say, Chicago Tribune, because he wanted to have more influence on the political scene in Washington, D.C. That's for sure. Now, I don't know of any newspaper which is moving into the direction of a foundation now. It might be. I don't know. I think it's more likely. You mentioned one word, tycoon of the press. I mean, there is a big difference between a person like Rupert Murdoch, who is a tycoon in the press, and people who have most of their interest outside the press and invest in a press venture or organization or company just because they want to protect in a way or in another their main economic interest. I don't see new tycoons coming, but that's normal. You don't see them as long as they don't manifest themselves. And I take the Italian example. There is for sure the reason why a group owning Republica and Espresso and 20% of the Italian press has been 
bought by fiat for reasons which are very clearly linked to other interests and not to a specific interest in the press. I want to maybe start with you maybe pulling out your graphic design and editorial tools for us. It's difficult to do, of course, on radio, but you're going to have to do it. What type of newspaper will greet people over the coming weeks? Of course, there must be a lot of work being done already on front pages, etc. What are we to think of? Are we to think of something completely new? Are we to think of something which maybe has the sober feeling of the Frankfurter Allgemeine, or maybe picking up the Neuzürcher Zeitung? Does it feel a little bit ilfolio? What's in your mind? And what can you conjure up for our listeners when we think about seeing this front cover for the first time at the Edicola? First of all, you mentioned Ilfolio, which is a nice publication, but is directed to a very selected group of people. So we are not in that game. We want to be a newspaper which has to be read if you want to be objectively informed on politics, economy, having a strong group of investigative journalists and a newspaper which takes into great account the green economy. So we are far away from the folio idea, which again is directed to an elite And on the contrary, we are not looking for an elite. Second, we are a digital initiative. That means that our starting point and our success is going to depend from subscriber of our digital edition. We decide, I decided, that just a site without having a paper edition would have been difficult to emerge as a leading origin of information because the mentality is still that the paper is still very important, the paper edition. So we are just starting on an opposite way as traditional newspaper has done. Traditional newspaper, for reasons which are linked to their heritage, started all with a printing edition and then added to their printing edition a digital version or a website. We are proceeding exactly in the opposite way. Our success is going to depend on how many digital subscribers we are going to have, not how many paper copies we are going to sell. Our model from that point of view is completely new. There is no other publication that I know which has started digitally with a paper presence instead of the opposite. Many would ask the question, and it goes back to your starting point, that you're launching as a digital-first product with a print component. Why bother with the print? Wouldn't there be lots of people you know, sitting around a traditional management meeting saying, listen, Mr. De Benedetti, why are we bothering to cut down trees? Why are we bothering to have a press going? What does this do for us as a brand? Why do we need paper? Now, personally, I know the answer and I think it's great, but I'm wondering, how do you defend this to people when they say, well, look, just fine, be on an iPhone, be on someone's Samsung, be on someone's laptop. Why are we printing to begin with? Because there is probably a prejudice by which uh, publication has to be a newspaper in the traditional sense of the word. And uh, newspaper means news and paper. 
this is still a concept which is very strong among the public. And this is the reason why I think that we want to be a paper as well, like the word of newspaper is indicating. Does this mean then that I can be in Napoli, I can be in Rome, I can be up in Udine, and I will be able to find a copy? Or are you thinking the print edition is really something which is major transport hubs? I'm only finding it at Milano Centrale when the world is flying around again. It's only when I get out to Fiumicino that is maybe this is where people are getting it. And of course, I mean, if you're subscribing digitally, yes, maybe you get it at home or not. But where do I come into contact with the print edition? And I guess my question is, is how limited is it? Because of course, we see print runs being shrunk and shrunk. And some days, we all look at the same newspapers. And sometimes I think, why do you even bother? Because it's not the newspaper that I fell in love with. I can go and read a digital edition, but somehow so many publishers, tycoons and otherwise, have shrunk their yeah, their print editions to the point that it's not even relevant anymore. So what will the experience be within the Italian market then? We are going to be present in a selected number of stands, which is normal. I mean, it's useless to send a copy to a small location in the mountains or in the islands. In Italy, there are still 10,000 stands, 15,000 a few years ago. 5,000 of them has closed because of the decline in number of copies and decline in profits, of course. But still, the newsstand is an important point of reference for the readers of newspaper. So we are going to cover the entire country. Of course, again, not in small towns because it would be economically unfeasible, unsustainable, but you will find us not just in Fiumicino and uh, Milano Centrale. You will find us to put a number in at least 4,000 stands in Italy. Which is impressive. And again, I don't want to peel back all the pages of your business model. So that means you're within Italy and, of course, decent logistics in Italy. You're able to print in one place, three places to cover the country? Yes. Our newspaper will be printed by the company which owns Corriere della Sera. And they have a plant in the north, in the south, and in the center of Italy. So it will be printed in three places where they already print Corriere della Sera. We've mentioned the Frankfurt Allgemeine more than once. Do you see Domani also being part of the European conversation? That if someone listens to France Inter, if someone tunes into the BBC World Service as well, that you need to be part of the conversation within Europe. In the same way that people talk about what is in Le Monde, people talk about what is in the NZZ here in Zurich. They talk about, of course, what the Svenska Dagbladet is saying. Is this the positioning? And do you see maybe a unique European voice, Mr. De Benedetti, within that landscape? Because, of course, yes, I can see La Repubblica is quoted about something. I can see the Corriere. Sometimes I hear about Il Sole 24. But I don't feel that there's any European, or I should say any Italian newspapers that are in in that European conversation. Is that an opportunity for you? The difficulty for Italian newspaper to be read in Brussels is first of all because they are written in Italian. And uh, this is an obvious limitation. How many decisive people are able and willing to read a publication which is in Italian? So this is an obvious limitation. Second, the old model of correspondent 
in different capital of Europe, or even in Brussels as a capital of Europe, is gone. Is gone. I mean, this is a time that has been the time when the correspondents were like ambassador in their own duty. Let's go on with the digitalization. So today you can be present in uh, Brussels independently if you have a local journalist who covers Brussels. You can cover Brussels even not being physically in Brussels. But in any case, our scope with respect to Europe is not so much to be a newspaper that looks at Europe as a source of information, but looks at Europe as the only way the country, Italy, can survive. We look at Europe as the only way in which Italy will have a sustainable future and not a dramatic future. And this is something that we want to diffuse among our readers and among the policymakers in our country, and not just for commercial reasons or for trade reasons. We have to link ourselves as much as we can to Bavaria and not to Libya. I'm fascinated by your approach, how you think about correspondence, how you see a, a possible position, not just Italy within Europe or sitting in the Mediterranean, but also just as a European news brand. Is there a need, Mr. De Benedetti, for collectively, it can't just be Domani on its own. Does it need to be in concert with Al Pais? Does it need to be in concert with Les Echo, other European newspapers to also have a stronger voice because there does seem to be this creep of not just, of course, taking stories out of the Wall Street Journal, taking stories from the Washington Post, but also taking American values and suddenly imposing them on Europe. And I'm wondering if this is an opportunity and even just a cause for concern. I mean, you've been in this business for a very long time. Does it somehow rankle you sometimes when you see what it seems to be fashionable in Washington, D.C. or on school campuses in Boston suddenly becomes part of our narrative now. We have to do it the American way. These are American liberal values. Therefore, they must be applied if I'm living in, in Firenze or, or if I'm living in Munich. Does there need to be a stronger European voice right now? I don't think we need to go the American way. First of all, you have to remember that Italy, if you want to identify the real core of Italian values, it comes from artisans. Artisans who became artists. Michelangelo was an artisan. Leonardo was an artisan. Raphael was an artisan. So we don't have to copy. We have our values. We teach great part of the Western world how to cope with culture, with beauty, with arts, with taste. That's our way of being. That is our nature. We don't have to copy the American way just because today's American way, if I look at politics, I consider that terrible and nothing to copy for sure. But luckily, America is not just the administration. It's many other very positive element of the society, despite the fact 
that uh, when big uh, events like the COVID, for instance, the coronavirus, hit a country like America, you see that what I would call the tissue of the American society is much weaker than the European tissue. Apart from the terrible mistake made by Mr. Trump, the American society is not prepared to be confronted with a pandemic. The society is very weak in terms of being a network of people. And the network of people is a network of families. And the family is a stronghold when we are in difficult waters. You very eloquently painted a picture of a nation of artisans, a nation of artists. And when we think about those artisans, you're also speaking from a country which has made an extraordinary contribution to magazines. Of course, we can talk about the culture of Italian books as well. But if I think in contemporary terms, the power of Italian newspaper design, the power of Italian magazine design, its global influence, that's one thing. But we should also probably say, and you would probably agree, Italy is also a nation of fantastic salespeople as well. And you talk about families, and of course, there are extraordinary trading families from the country as well. Which brings me to Domani and your approach to business, your business case. I'm curious, because if I think back, Mr. De Benedetti, to the golden days of La Repubblica, when I would pick up a copy in Milan or at a newsstand anywhere in Europe, if I think about the golden days of L'Espresso, these were magazines that were juicy and thick, full of advertising from every sector, from luxury goods to energy to automotives, banking, all of it was there. Now this has changed and it's changed for everybody. Have we forgotten how to sell? Should we somehow reinstate the art of selling again? Because to me, it seems like this is one of the lost arts in media now. You have always to consider the two different markets in terms of advertising. The advertising on the paper and the advertising on the web. The advertising on the paper is something which is not going to be a problem for the money for a simple reason. We are going to have 16 pages and we have already booked orders for the first day of Domani for 50 pages. So you can say that is because the first day, of course, I recognize that this is a good reason, but we don't want too much advertising on the paper for a very simple reason. that When you have 16 pages, all in all, you don't want to disturb your reader by putting a lot of advertising. You can have a very limited quantity of advertisement in the paper because otherwise people will be disturbed and it's not going to be good for our circulation. On the web, the game is totally different. As you know, the way by which you are going to uh, attract people to the money is going to be the social media and playing the game which is played on the social media, which is not the same game which is played by the newspaper today. And by that, I don't mean just the digital version of the newspaper. I mean really the digital 
edition of our newspaper, which has to be directed to younger people. We want to attract young people to come back and read the newspaper, not on the paper version, of course, as a source of information. And, you know, I personally am very confident this is going to come back in the direction of what originally has been a newspaper. Originally, the reason of existence of a newspaper was to put news in order. This news is going to be in the front page. These other news you cancel because it's not important. In the web, there are so many fake news that many young people will be attracted by something which gives you a hierarchy of importance of the news and granting you that what is written on that site is true, or at least at the best of our knowledge is true. Now, some would say that the hierarchy of news, Mr. De Benedetti, can be sorted out with artificial intelligence. You don't need editors to do that, etc. The hierarchies can happen by themselves. Of course, many would say otherwise as well. You still need classic editors who understand their readers, who get their point of view, etc. So for argument's sake, let's agree that, yes, you absolutely need an editorial team. You have to have seasoned people who understand what makes a good front page, whether that's on a digital edition or in print. But it raises the question, you talk about a young generation, and, and I guess this is one of the problems. Yes, you've got advertising, which helps support digital, and then you need people to pay for it. And here's my question. You know, we see in Italy an aging society, which many, of course, are buying the the full package. They, they may not read the digital edition, they're reading the print edition of La Repubblica, but they still believe in subscribing. But you have a young generation now who are getting everything for free, and they expect that news is free. Do you see a current where people are going to pay for news, particularly when you talk about people who are probably under 30? The big mistake that all the publishing industry throughout the world has made in the last 20 years has been to associate the concept itself of internet, which is profit, and giving away values and uh, products for free, just because they were on the internet. That has been the big mistake that we all did. Now you see that it was the last week, there was a big, big news in my mind in the newspaper industry, that the revenues for the New York Times, the digital revenues, both in terms of subscriber and advertising, has been bigger in the last quarter than the revenues coming from copies and from advertising on the paper. This is the direction. The New York Times has understood it and elaborated and practiced very well in the last few years. And again, I think it's a turning point what happened last week, where in a traditional newspaper, for the first time, the digital revenues both in terms of advertising and subscription, has been greater than in the printing edition. I think this is going to be the future.
thanks to Mr. Carlo De Benedetti for joining us on this week's episode of The Chiefs. And don't forget, The Chiefs Conference is coming up on September 17th, live in person at Suverta House in St. Moritz. Many of the guests we've had on the series, along with some fresh faces, will be in conversation to reflect and look forward to the coming year ahead. Head to monocle.com to find out more. The Chiefs was produced by Paige Reynolds and edited by Louis Allen. I'm Tyler Brulé in Zurich. Thanks very much for listening.